Welcome to Regeneration Studio. I'm Katerina and this is another journey into creative business ideas and how they transform individuals and communities. A while back I opened a book called The Golden Toilet, an electronic version of it at least. And yes, that is the name, The Golden Toilet. And no, this is not about the history of toilets purchased by dictators, rap artists and wealthy people who dig the touch of gold. This is about marketing, online marketing at that, and more specifically, and more pressingly, whether you are wasting your marketing budget on out-of-date strategies. Luckily, Steve Brown, the CEO founder of ROI Online, a forward-looking marketing agency and author of the aforementioned book, joined me for this episode. His insight into how businesses should set up their marketing strategies really blew me away. But before we jump into his wealth of knowledge, a quick reminder to hit that subscribe button to our podcast and YouTube channel. Dive into the stories of the most innovative business ideas and artistic vibrancy around. We'd like to bring you the most relevant stories, so drop us a message, let us know what you think and what you'd like to see from us in the future. If anything, 2020 taught us that anything can change without warning. That what we value today can change tomorrow. That what is valuable for our business now can radically shift in a new direction in a week's time. You can have the best business plan, but if you do not have the ability to adapt with the times and sometimes unexpected changes, your business plan will become no better than a piece of toilet paper. This counts especially for your market strategy, which is essentially how you let the public know about what you do. We no longer use the yellow pages, for example. But what about some more recent advertising methods that we think are still necessary for business growth? I'm very pleased, therefore, to have with me in studio today, Steve Brown, CEO of ROI Online and author of The Golden Toilet, one of the funniest recent marketing strategy books out there. Welcome to the show, Steve. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Katerina. So to give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there is a film soon to be released with the rather unusual name of The Golden Toilet. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? Sure, sure. I think that's a great idea and a very creative. So here we go. In communities around the globe, families and entrepreneurs happily ran their businesses, oblivious to the impending evil coming their way. In one fell swoop, they woke up to their businesses being shut down and their livelihoods maliciously destroyed. Who could have ever foreseen customers would be forbidden to visit their shops, showrooms, or conference tables? Realizing they needed help to quickly conduct their business online, to have any chance of survival, they knew there was only one man, the man who had written The Golden Toilet, a prophetic primer for businesses to get their act together online. Will they get the book? Will they be able to save the farm? Will they hire Steve and his trusty dog, Fern? Or will they be another victim of the darkest time in marketing history? The Golden Toilet in theaters now. Excellent. Wow. Thank you so much for that, Steve. Part one. 
Choosing to live for sales effectiveness. In the introduction to your book, you mention your experience of working in sales and in particular your disillusionment with uh, meeting quotas instead of caring about whether what you are selling is the right thing for the potential client. So before we delve into your early experience of sales and your eventual finding of ROI online, what did you originally envision for your life? You know, I envisioned that I would work for a company for a long time and that I would be like a very uh, important part of that company and help it grow. And and it would be a very fulfilling and time of my life, not like easy necessarily, but work hard and help them be successful. But what I kept experiencing was I was recognizing a shift in the way that people expected salespeople to behave or conduct business. And I wanted to address that or take advantage of that. And yet in the last three companies that I worked for, they they weren't seeing what I was seeing because they weren't out on the streets and they weren't experiencing what I was and they were insisting that we conduct business the old way. And so that was uh, the, the thing that was really... Um, eating at me that I wanted to be a good employee. I wanted to do good, but I also saw that we needed to adjust some things, but being what it may with the leadership and it's their business, they weren't seeing it the same way. So you always thought that you were going to rather help someone else build something than perhaps go at it yourself and create or put your own business idea to life. Exactly. That, you know, there's at that point in my life, it had been in the back of my head that I might start something, but I always, I didn't want to just start something to start something. I wanted to start something that was really me, had my unique, but I didn't know what that was. I, I didn't. And so I think part of my journey was to, to, um, you know, earn my chops, pay my dues. So that's, that's where I was. And I would have been fine, I believe, helping a company be successful. I like working in a team. Mm -hmm, yeah. Great. Now, of course, we encounter salespeople every day, probably mm -hmm. more than we actually realize. Why sales, first of all? Was there a particular reason why you thought, okay, I want to kind of put a product out there and show people what it does and perhaps it could be really useful to them? Well, I, th I think that my personality made it to where I, I was not shy about meeting people or having conversations. And, you know, from my first real job out of high school where I started waiting tables, I really enjoyed interacting with people and, and working for tips. And I think the thing that appealed to me was I wanted to be in a position where my performance was rewarded instead of just make a flat salary every, every mm -hmm. month. I wanted to be uh, held accountable where my performance could actually impact that. And that seemed to be a really good fit for me that if I could figure out something and excel, that I would be rewarded for it. So, so in a way, I looked at sales as my own little business within a business that I conducted. Mm -hmm. And I would adjust things and test things and, and spend time after hours 
and focus on how I could do sales better. So it was a natural fit for me. Okay, which is rather ironic because a lot of people find that the added pressure of performing and not just getting a flat salary quite hard. So what was the best thing about working in sales for you? Was it this outperforming yourself in a way the whole time? Yeah, I think that I'm competitive and I think it was starting to give me a little insight that maybe I would enjoy being in an entrepreneurial position of some sort, but I enjoyed, you know, being like, uh, often I was one of the top salespeople. I was the one that, that consistently was a top performer or had a real competitive relationship with the other person that I was competing with, whether it would be me this month or the next month and, mm-hmm. you know, doing the fun things to try to outsell. Yeah. And, and the other thing is that in businesses, this is kind of ironic, but sales is like generally the only position that's really transparent. People know what your quota is. They know what you're, if you're selling, they know what you sold or didn't sell. Mm-hmm. They will know when you have a bad month. While other people in other positions, you know, they don't really have to put their performance out in front of everybody. So whether you're collecting on all the invoices or not, maybe leadership would know, but not everyone. It's not on a whiteboard like mm-hmm. a sale. So I think I think that was, for whatever reason, I enjoyed that. Yes. Well, that's really interesting because, like I said, it's it can be a lot of pressure for other people. And then they would be like, no, I want to be able to hide what I do. So obviously <laughs> there are those uh, salespeople who are very obvious about it. And then there are those who kind of infiltrate our lives without us ever realizing and they just sell us something. And then mm-hmm. I think the latter are said to be truly great salespeople. Now, you might have been leaning towards the latter side of things if you were really good at it. But what was the worst experience of the whole sales world? I think the worst experience, to be really good at sales, you need to have a natural empathy for the person that you're wanting to help. That just needs to be in play. That actually... You wouldn't sell this to them if it wasn't the right thing for them. Mm-hmm. And so I think the worst thing in sales is to have a leadership or management or a sales manager that doesn't think the same way. And you're in a position where you have to defend why that particular sale didn't happen and to not and to be say, well, it just wasn't the right thing for them. And to have to defend that or justify it in a way that deep down you know that defending that conversation is ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I, I call those things stupid taxes. They're mm-hmm. little invisible taxes that eat on an organization's employees. You know, if you think mm-hmm. about employees that go to work somewhere, I believe that initially they show up and want to do the best and really contribute. But they run into these invisible, stupid taxes that make them go, well, that's stupid. Oh, I shouldn't say that. I want to be a good employee. And But as you run into more of those, you get pulled off your best and you have to start to figure out, well, politically, how do I manage around these stupid things that exist that are ridiculous? They aren't the best for everyone, but yet they're part of the rules that was the worst thing for me Mm -hmm. yes I can understand that so 
of course, you eventually left working for someone else for these uh, for a company, mm-hmm. and you set up ROI online as a mm-hmm. counter to the ineffective sales tactics that did not have perhaps the client at heart. So can you talk us through your thought process in starting ROI online? And feel free to elaborate on perhaps like, did you have a partner going in with you? Did you have a team set up or what did what did you think? It had been eating on me that, so, you know, thinking of stupid taxes, there's this point where we're not, it's not fulfilling where we are. Okay, for whatever reason, there's there's something that exists that makes us dread going to work or not having that conversation or avoiding that person. But there's also this conversation that you should have with yourself is where, what do I own in this? And if I think this business could be ran so much better, why am I sitting around and complaining why don't I just step up and put my money where my mouth is? And the truth is, okay, that's scary. That means that you have to have a conversation with your spouse and others that I'm going to start this thing and it's not guaranteed and I may fail. And there may be conversations like, Steve, why are you quitting a good job? Or why why would you do that? And And so there's a lot of things involved with that. I did have someone that was encouraging me to do it. But bottom line, I was the one risking everything. I was the one that got the loan at the bank, a small one. I was the one that put all the charges on my credit card to start the business. And I was the one that wasn't paying myself for a while. I was paying my first employee. Mm -hmm. But the cool thing was that there was a company that wanted to hire us right away, actually a couple. And... And so that was the affirmation of how they looked to us as a unique answer to the experiences that they had before. And they felt confidence in us, which was, you know, really uh, encouraging that we were doing, I was doing the right thing, that I, the risk mm-hmm. I was taking was not an unrealistic risk. It was a good risk to yeah. do. And soon thereafter, I was able to even start paying myself. Mm-hmm. But that was that was rewarding. There was a lot of concern about you know, yeah. every every time you write a um, check to the employee, I felt good about it. Every time I needed to spend money, I was really um, I was really conservative. I it was cool. I got all the desks for our office uh, donated. There was many things that kind of came together that was really rewarding, things I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And then we started to hire other folks and then, and it took off. Yeah. Well, there's, there are loads of things going through my head now because I've experienced a lot of this myself and I can definitely say it is scary, especially that initial, just taking the leap and, working out some of the financial side of things now just a quick question did you ever like consider maybe looking for investment or was it all just self-funded it was all self-funded it's you know here recently i've you know i do want to say is that one thing that really um i've learned is that you know we're all being bombarded you should start a business you should start a business Mm -hmm. 
And you need to check your motivation, whether you want to start a business just to make money or you want to start a business because you have a unique perspective and value to add to that. It's two very different things. And then you need to understand that your business goes through a life cycle, just like a, a person does. And there are certain stages of the life cycle of a business where you should consider things. Investment money right away for me wouldn't have made sense. It means that you're giving up control. And again, you're going to find yourself, if you started the business because you felt you needed to be in control, if you bring in an investor, you're you're giving control away to some extent. And you're going to have the same frustrations that you did in, originally when you left. And if you expect to drive and do what you feel is right, then you need to bootstrap it. And that means not only do you need to sell the business, you need to deliver, you do the business, you know, do the work. Mm -hmm. And that takes a bit of courage. Yes, definitely. You need to consider. There's a point in the business where, you, all right, we're growing, we're growing, mm -hmm. and you don't have enough gas to, to hire the next level of people you need or the equipment so that's when you should consider bringing in some fuel some investment money yeah. but again that same control factor exists giving up control you need to be comfortable with it great yes and i agree with that but these are big questions that normally any entrepreneur would ask when just right at the start of their, their business mm -hmm. growth part two the Holy Grail of ROI. As a starting business or entrepreneur, the effective allocation of funds, which we were just talking about, is crucial in the initial growth of the business. As explained in your book, a business has a product or a service which they would like people to know about. And they do this by choosing from a range of marketing tactics. Now, regardless of the cost of the marketing tactics, it takes time to put a marketing strategy into place. The amount of return on your investment of both the time and the money is largely dependent on the efficiency of your tactics. So that is where an online marketing agency like yours, ROI Online, comes in. And believe me, like I've gone through all of the marketing things. It takes so much time and it's quite mind boggling, really, because there are just so many different ways to go about it. Mm -hmm. So what might be the most mind boggling for an entrepreneur when they have to do this themselves? What, according to you, like what is really just going to, they're going to think this is the way to go at it, but it is not actually the best way. Yeah, so they're at a disadvantage. You know, every day they're called and someone's say, telling them, trying to sell them, hey, I can get you at the top of a search. And they hear that call for, you know, for years or for however long they've been hearing it. And so it becomes, a f they're framed to think, all right, that's an expectation that I should have. And so it could trap you into aligning your resources and focus on the wrong things and it may not be the right answer for you mm -hmm. but that's the result of being called by people who don't know anything about your business and they have a quota and they're told you need to sell so many of these seo accounts so call these people yeah. but you know when you you start a business 
you started because you're good at something and you want to do more of that. But what we realize, we have to be good at hiring, negotiating, sales, uh, management, um, negotiations, and marketing and business development. Mm -hmm. And the problem is with anything is that if you don't have your foundation solid, then all the things that you do try, they're tactical in, in most cases. And if you don't approach it with a strategy, then you're going to have this reaction that I've heard a lot of the folks that we've worked with. Well, that doesn't work. We tried Facebook ads, that doesn't work. Or we did social media marketing and that doesn't work. Well, the reason it doesn't work is because it was tactical without a strategy. It sounded sexy at the moment. Someone was very convincing and you didn't know better. And so, okay, I don't know. I'm not on Facebook, but they're telling me I need to advertise on Facebook. So you try it. Can I stop you there just one second? Yeah. Because this is like something I've constantly been thinking about. So I'm always like, is it actually effective to use Facebook ads? Um, it is effective. Is it, it, yes. So it is it is effective, but here's my qualifier. What's the expectation of someone who sees that ad? Well, the expectation is that they that they're going to come find you and conduct business with you. Okay? Mm -hmm. But just like your physical shop, if you have a coffee shop, I was listening to one of your your podcast and so that coffee shop that you go see up in Yorkshire mm -hmm. they it's clear when they're open it's clear where you should park it's clear where you should go in and place your order where you should pick it up where you can sit down mm -hmm. all those things are very clear in the physical yeah. world but when think of think of when you click on an ad it's not clear where I should go next so most people run an ad they drop them on the web page somewhere, and I'm supposed to dig around and find where the lights are to turn it on, and I'm supposed to dig around a little bit more and see where I should go next. The problem is time's burning, and people don't have the temperament if it's not immediate. So that's why I say strategy. If you run an ad, there should be an expectation that when they click on that ad, they're going to go to a specific landing page and it's going to be when they show up they're going to go oh this is what i was expecting i see what i'm supposed to do next mm -hmm. so whether it's fill out a form click on a button those that makes it more effective so that means that the thinking and planning behind that ad below the iceberg the tip of the iceberg has already been set up and very mm -hmm. clear just like in a physical world when you go place that order for the coffee Behind the counter is a whole system that's optimized. They're grinding the coffee, but they're not grinding until it was roasted. They're not roasting it until it came in the back door in bags. They didn't come in the back door in bags until they ordered it. Yes. The same thinking needs to be in place on your online strategy. This is fascinating because, to be honest, it's something I don't know a lot about. So thank you for kind of elaborating on that. Mm -hmm. So ROI online, 
offer various services. So for example, marketing campaigns, empowering your sales team or a business's sales team, and then using business storytelling, which is one of these that I really, really like because it's a way to connect with clients and create a distinctive brand. That is uh, one of your other services. So what is the difference between good marketing and great marketing? First of all, most marketing is bad marketing. And why do I say that? It's because marketing, most marketing is designed to exploit consumers. They see consumers as quotas. And when we say consumer, it's this dirty word that showed up in marketing somewhere and became a part of the vocabulary. But when we say consumer, what do you imagine? A faceless, nameless cow with a credit card that we just want to get some money from that the thing that has the credit card. And so that's bad marketing. Good marketing is starting to acknowledge that there's a human that can take advantage of our services and that could improve their life in some way. And so that you're starting to think about them and where they are in their story and where you could fit in to help them move along. Great marketing understands that humans have brains and our Mm -hmm. brains remain the same. The brain, when we first started using them, they didn't have, they didn't read, they didn't speak, but they communicated and they collected in tribes. And so these humans had brains and they excelled and they survived and they thrived. Mm -hmm. And so marketing that understands that, Even though our brains haven't, our world has changed, our brains remain the same. And so marketing that communicates, great marketing is like fiber optic communications compared to the old 1440 modem. Hmm. And so when you and I go in somewhere and we, we go into that coffee shop, immediately you feel like, I'm safe. I like this. I'm going to sit down and and relax. Or we've gone in places where we go, can we hurry up and get out of here? That's our brain saying you're not safe here. I call it the bodyguard. So great marketing communicates with that bodyguard. Remember the VIPs you can imagine, they roll up in their their limo, Mm -hmm. bodyguards get out, they look around at the environment and when they determine it's safe, They'll give the sign and the VIP comes out and goes in. But as soon as something pops up, the bodyguards whisk them out to safety, right? We have this part of our brain and it's the brainstem. It's the old part of the brain that we share with lobsters or dogs. That's how we can communicate with animals and just kind of know because we share that part of the brain. And I call that the bodyguard. Great marketing understands that no decisions made until the bodyguard signs off on it. And the bodyguard can't process text or verbal communication. It goes on feeling. Great marketing resolves the bodyguard problem, calms it down, says, I understand you, you're safe here. You can allow the person you're protecting to spend more time and focus their energies on what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very clear image. So using this kind of analogy and how you differentiated good marketing from great marketing, 
where do your services fit in in this if you want to elaborate maybe on one specific one or two well first of all it's always assumed that the fundamentals are in place but they're not so mm -hmm. great marketing starts just like anything with great fundamentals if you were to join the military and let's say that katarina you wanted to be a sniper okay oh, yes <laughs> that sounds exciting <laughs> All right. Yeah. You would you would sign up. You show up the first day and they don't go, what's your name? And they write down your name. They give you a uniform and then here's your sniper rifle. Go get them. They're going to run you through boot camp and you're not going to touch a rifle for a while. Not that sniper rifle. You'll touch the basic one, but they're not going to turn you loose on that until you have your fundamentals. And the same thing exists in a business. You need to get your fundamentals. And what are they? So they're clear messaging, and that's mm -hmm. the messaging that you and I just talked yeah. about. But that messaging has to live somewhere in that virtual platform, and it's called marketing automation today. So marketing okay. automation is technology that the robots serve you. They expedite things. They, they do you know automated follow-up emails. They suggest things that you might like, other people who like this. Also like this, you should know about it. That's marketing automation. It's expediting a good experience. Mm -hmm. Sales automation. You know that time that you were all excited. You had done your research. You had studied a little bit and you decided, I'm going to go buy this. So you, you get in the car or you ride the train or whatever. You show up and you're going to walk into this place and you have this expectation and this picture in your mind of a successful transaction, but you walk in and that person's a jerk or they don't have it or there was something that really was offensive and you march out of there upset. Okay. Yeah. And why are we so upset? Because we feel betrayed and we didn't feel safe and we thought we were going to be safe. So that experience, the marketing experience wasn't congruent with the sales experience. Mm -hmm. So Sales automation, that messaging needs to be baked into all the sales interaction that you're going to have, even to the person. So if we have clear messaging, that person can speak and represent you, the owner of the business, in the same way that you would. If you are clear on your messaging, they would have under understanding. You would have your systems in place to facilitate the last part of the transaction, the sales part. Yeah. Then once you have those all ready, now, now you should run your strategic campaigns. So what am I saying? Why would you advertise, pass out coupons on your sandwich, your, your hoagies or whatever, $5 off of my hoagies, but you don't have your shop open yet? Someone's going to get that coupon, come over to your shop. Oh, they're not open. Okay. They throw in the trash and they go off and eat pizza or something. That's what most people are doing with their marketing. They don't have everything set up. So once you have your clear messaging, your marketing automation, your sales automation in place, then you run your strategic campaigns. Then you can be strategic. You can really get a return on your investment in this ads. Ads go away when your budget runs out. And mm -hmm. so you want to create things that are more evergreen so that when someone does come up and go, I'll help you manage your ads. Okay, great. Here's the page I want you to promote. Here's the messaging I want in that ad. 
Okay. And here's the people that I want to see it. How much more empowering would that be for you? I'm helping set you up for success as opposed to the frustrating learning phase that's going to take you a year or two to figure it out on your own. Right. This is really, really, really good because, like I said, I have no clue about marketing. I should hire you. <laughs> anyway, yes. going on. <laughs> um, would you say some of the services you offer are better suited to grow certain types of businesses? So, for example, I run a podcast. I'm not into. I'm an online content creator, but somebody else might just be selling something. Coffee, mm -hmm. for example, because that's one of my recent episodes. And can you perhaps use one of your success stories as an example? Yeah, so everyone has different marketing challenges. <laughs> everyone assumes we need more customers. Okay, mm -hmm. and so if I pay you, I'm, I expect to get so many customers. That's fair. That's a fair expectation. But in your case, you want more listeners. Or in the case of one of our success stories, an oil and gas services company in the fracking industry in Texas, They didn't need more customers. They had plenty of customers. What they needed were more employees to service the customers they were getting. Okay. But it was in an industry that was highly competitive. They're competing with big oil companies that we all know the names of, and they're a no-name. And chemists and lab technicians and drivers and engineers, they needed these people. But... If you're one of those people looking for a job and you don't know this company, but you sure know that other company, then big name companies get first shot at great employees. So we ran a marketing campaign that really clarified what their culture was, why they do what they do, what's it like to work there. And we ran ads in different places and is extremely successful. And so they were able to start delivering on all the business that was coming in. They were able to grow a great team. They went from 20-something employees to over 250 in just a matter of a couple of years. Yeah. That's crazy success. Yeah. So that would be a great example of a success story. Great. And then just to clarify, what was perhaps the most important service that you used in that particular instance? So everything was in play in those four things that I talked yeah. about. First, we had to get our messaging clear. Mm -hmm. So that was a discussion on, about what's your culture like in this company? And so we sat and talked about it. And then how do we start to communicate what we believe, why we do what we do, and who is it that would be a great fit here and be fulfilled and excel? Because... You don't want every employee. You want the employees that care about family, that care about safety, that care about doing things the right way because we're concerned about other people's lives. So that would repel people and just go, I just want to get a job so I can make some money until I find my next job. But to take it and start to put it into, so we design landing pages with employment forms where If someone saw an ad, they would go to that landing page and pre-fill out some of the application process. So imagine where times that you've gone to apply for a job, someone had to, you'd walk in, hey, I'm here to apply for a job, or you'd call, and then a person sends them the paperwork or tells them, does that? We automated a lot of that. 
Okay. And so that started to weed out people that wouldn't be a good fit. And then by the time it got a person involved, we had already done some vetting and got a higher quality employee mm -hmm. to spend and invest humans time on. And so right there, just that explanation, we clear clarified their messaging. We had set up marketing automation. We had teed up the sales conversation part and then ran a strategic campaign to start attracting perfect uh, employees. So those fundamentals are the key. If you can start focusing on it and think about it as a business process, not a marketing process, don't see website, see a system. That is the, uh, the big lever to make this investment a success, to make it more of a, you're building an asset, not a, just a one-time little ad that disappears when the okay. ad budget runs out. All right, that makes sense. And now following on from this, your experience with obviously this company and also other various other companies, what inspired you to write The Golden Toilet? That's a good question. And, and so one day I was sitting in a conversation and it just hit me that over the hundreds of conversations that I had with business entrepreneurs that even though different words were used, there was a common theme in in the request of the entrepreneur, they would come to me and it would be something like this, Steve, I believe we need to upgrade our website and I think we need to show up in some searches. And And then there's the social media thing. I think we need to start considering somehow doing the social media stuff. And that was a business owner who's going to make it no matter what starting to march into an area they didn't understand and courageously using the best words they knew to start mm -hmm. to drive towards a direction. And when I realized that what I was about to try to help them reframe and see, first, let's get your fundamentals in place. I realized that, you know, I only have like 15 minutes in an hour meeting, I need to spend a lot of time making sure I understand everything and that this would be a good fit for us. And then usually I just have 15 minutes to share and help them reframe the way they're looking at, at this problem. And it hit me that all the times that I did had said this, if I would put it in a book, I could help so many more people. Plus, if they read my book, they would already come pre-positioned to appreciate mm -hmm. what my unique perspective on this industry. Because yes. think about it, Katharina, you, you have a few moments to, you have to develop rapport, you have to develop trust, you have to de develop authority, and then you have to convince them that, okay, this is the right way. And this is something very nebulous mm -hmm. because we're talking about this thing that's virtual. Yeah. Okay. And, and they only know what they know. Mm -hmm. And so one day it, I wanted to reframe the expectation of everything revolving around a website and not on a system. Mm -hmm. And that's the day I said, you know, you know, your website's just a toilet <laughs> and you could hear their brain tire skidding on the pavement. What? My yeah. website's a toilet? Then I had their focus. Mm -hmm. 
they were leaning in and going, what's this ridiculous thing that you're saying? Okay. And then I was saying, look, you wouldn't work in an office if it didn't have one. And you wouldn't buy a home if it didn't have a toilet. But when people come over to your house, where do you guys hang out? In the kitchen, around the pool, maybe by the fireplace, the dining room. Okay. And it's the same thing with your website. You, It's a piece of a bigger system that makes a home. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's not where the world revolves around people. Okay. And yeah. that's why I thought, you know, that's the fastest way to be a little absurd with a little bit of humor to reframe the way that people look at this business problem. It's, yes. it's a legitimate business problem. No, it's, I mean, like, I was intrigued when I read, like, the blurb of the book. And I then started reading the book. And it was just like, you start and you're still, like, wondering why exactly? What is the, the whole website deal? And then it just clicks that it is not the place where you hang out. It is not perhaps the most important portal for your clients. So it was an eye-opener. Part three. Avoiding the golden toilet of inefficiency. Considering the points you have made up to now about effective marketing in your book. So you state that websites might soon actually be a thing of the past in the same way as the yellow pages has become something of a relic. We, we don't even really use them. We don't have them anymore. Yet, if you ask anyone now, they'd say a business needs a website. You just, you have to have it because that's where people will find out what you're all about. And without that, you just won't be able to sell anything. And as we know, running and designing websites, I know because I've I've had a few, can be really time consuming and costly. So do businesses need websites? So here's, here's what I wanted to, to really uh, help people focus on. Mm -hmm. If it just makes sense that fundamentals, things that are universal in nature, meaning they'll be in play. They were in play a hundred years ago and they'll be in play a, a hundred years from now. If I can avoid wasting money on something that's a fad, then, then I'd be wise to invest in a, a piece of equipment that would last me for years. Okay. That would be an asset. And that's the way I want people to look at this. If I'm going to invest in a website, I want it to complement and grow the value of my system, my business, this asset, this invisible asset that I'm building, okay? Then, then if I go, what if Google's not around in a couple of years? Then all this effort and focus and worship of Google was a waste of time. It was a fad. What if that was in play? So what if this website, if I only look at it as a website, then eventually it will change what if what if from now on it's mostly just a podcast what if i don't have time to sit at an old style out of date lap um, laptop or desktop mm -hmm. what if my phone is what the main way that i interact what if just i don't even look at a phone anymore what if i just listen to your conversations with customers mm -hmm. then what i'm convincing you to invest in a, in my book 
would be applicable and would quickly migrate into that environment, if you will. So see, see your website. Yeah, yeah you need one. You need a yeah. sign. You need an open sign. You need these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But they can change. Yeah. And, and so don't anchor everything on there. But make sure that if you're going to invest in it, you see it as an asset that's going to complement a business process. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think perhaps what you're touching on here is that people owning their own businesses or working in marketing teams and so on, they really do need to develop a forward-thinking approach to what they do and not get stuck on one thing and this has to be perfect and I need to spend so much time and so much money on this. So if you could just summarize maybe three aspects of an effective website today. Yes. So it's clear, meaning that the second that you land on it, it's immediate clarity. You remember the bodyguard? Yeah. The bodyguard's in play. Mm-hmm. So if someone lands on your website, it needs to be super clear. This is a place you are looking for. You're safe. And here's what you do next. Mm-hmm. That needs to be happen in just a split second. And let me tell you, that's hard. That's a hard yeah. thing to do. You, you know, you think about book titles. Yeah. A book title, so here's a, a book I reviewed the other day, Marketing to Mind States. Okay. okay? Yeah. The Practical Guide to Applying Behavior Design to Research and Marketing. Well, immediately we know what this book's about. Yes. Okay. But most people's mm-hmm. websites, when you go to that, you don't get that clarity. Well, think about it. There's an actual fuse burning. So imagine your bodyguard. Your bodyguard's going... Let me tell you, if you're in a place of confusion, you're in danger. Mm-hmm. So you show up in the atmospherics that are in play. Your bodyguard lights a little fuse and it starts burning. Yeah. And if you can't really get clear on what's, what's this place and am I safe, then that bodyguard grabs you before that yeah. goes off, right? Exactly. And that's, that's why. That's so important. So to mm-hmm. quickly, immediately say, hey, you're understood here. You're safe. Come this way. We understand you. Here's the things that's going to help solve your problems. And I'm happy to help you mm-hmm. get what you need. So if we are not perhaps marketing ourselves through our websites as we thought we should, and we're trying to stay on top of our game but not through CEO tactics, not through keywords or the ways we thought we should. What are we meant to be doing? So you're doing a beautiful example of of one of the things. People learn about you. The first thing they learn about you may not be your website. You'd be surprised at how many people have never gone to your website. Okay. So if all your focus is on there, then you're missing out on all the other touch Mm -hmm. points. So right now you're you're having guests on and you're interviewing them and their audience gets introduced to you. Okay. Okay. People are stumbling into you in a a layer of audio environment. Did you, Mm -hmm. all right. So everyone knows that the number one search engine is Google. Yes. The second largest search engine is 
Wait, 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 wait. search engine. I have no idea. YouTube. In... Oh, okay, right. Huh. Okay. Video. Do you know what the number three largest search engine is? Nope. It's Apple iTunes. Okay, right. I'm learning okay. things here. Yes. Yes. So, first of all, we default think everybody's visual and reads text, and that's yeah. the only way they're going to find you, but it's not true. Some people are watching videos. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some people are listening to podcasts. Other people are listening to their friends recommend. Other okay. people are playing games. Other people are reading books. Yeah. Other people are listening to books. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in all of those platforms, clear messaging is your competitive advantage. So right. when someone listens to the first 10 seconds of your podcast, do they know what your podcast is about? And do they like you? <laughs> right? And do they feel safe here? And it's a hard thing to do, but if they see you in a video, Mm -hmm. even though you're answering a question, clearly communicating and capturing their mind and bringing them into focus and putting them into a story where they remembered a certain situation where they got upset when they went in to buy something. Those are competitive advantages that honors the way your brain wants to be communicated to in any environment, in any domain. Okay. Yeah. This makes sense. Great. I'm just thinking about everything I should be doing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, So considering recent circumstances, what does the future of marketing look like at ROI online? Yeah. So here's, here's where I am right now. I have a podcast, the ROI online Mm -hmm. podcast. Obviously I, I published a book, but my number one job that's fulfilling for me is to help my, I call them the heroes, okay, the yeah. invisible heroes. I believe the invisible heroes of our time are the entrepreneurs, these f- business owners, these families that started businesses. They are the invisible heroes because why? Well, they employ people. They provide products and services that change our lives. They risk everything. Mm-hmm. They can go out of business in a moment. But they yeah. do it to, and it they have these uh, results of people being employed and being able to send their kids to school and us being able to take advantage of their services and products. So these are the invisible heroes. It's fulfilling for me to help my heroes excel in this environment where modern marketing is going. So one of the things I've been doing is interviewing on a weekly basis my VIP clients on okay. a live stream. All okay. Right. Is this so on think YouTube? About, it's on YouTube. It's on Facebook page. Mm-hmm. It's on uh, Periscope. It's on, mm-hmm. you know, it's on these different places, right? So yeah. we do a live stream mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. So what am I doing? Well, if I expect my heroes to start to produce content that's relevant for our time, there's a lot, lot of obstacles there. That means that they have to stop what they're doing putting out all the fires of their business and go, oh, I need to be a thought leader now. Well, they do need to think like a multimedia publishing house, mm-hmm. but it's going to take them a long time to get there. It's taken me a long time to get there and I do this stuff. Yeah. So I just set it up and I show up, we show up on the same time every week 
and we have a conversation about whatever their strategic campaign is that we're running, helping them run at that time. They're full of knowledge. They know their unique perspective. They just need a platform to be produced. So I'm producing them. Okay. That's the future of marketing, in my opinion. Yes, I agree with you 100, 100%. Okay, so this is great. This year has probably been one of those breaking points in humanity when most of us realize that at the drop of a hat, everything can change. As entrepreneurs and business owners, we need to stay on autos and never forget about the two eyes that I just came up with this, but I kind of like it. Innovation and investment. What does innovation and investment mean to you? And this is the last question. And why is this crucial in business growth? Well, I think innovation and investment is investing in uh, things that will be evergreen and that will be relevant no matter what the technology is, right? And so by realizing that what our grandparents did when they ran that shop, when they ran that business, it's still in play and legitimate now and will be in play and legitimate in the future. So what is that? Communicating that you care about your customers, that you understand them, that you want to serve them, and that you're going to help by whatever means that it's important to you that you do the best thing for them, regardless of whether it's the best thing for you. And they reward you. Mm -hmm. They promote you. They value you. That feels right. That feels safe. That feels like you're a human that recognizes I'm a human with a name and a family and hopes and dreams. So that's that's what I think is the secret to success in marketing now, in the past, and in the future. Thank you so, so much, Steve. This has been really, really great. I've enjoyed it. There, these are you? great questions. Yes, and you, okay. you asked these very thoughtful. You, It's obvious that you spent time thinking about this. Mm-hmm. It's obvious that you read my book. And so yeah. these are conversations that I really enjoy because here we are, two people that we're not looking at our phones. We're not Mm -hmm. being interrupted by waiters or waitresses or kids or spouses. And we're getting to spend a little time and connect and talk about things that are very interesting and important to us. Yes. And I mean, if you are ever up for just uh, coming onto the show in the future to discuss something else, maybe social media or something like that, that'd be absolutely great. I have, however, a couple of quick questions just so that listeners can get to know you better. So- Sure. Uh, what is the most recent film series you watched, podcast you listened to, or book you read? I watched this show, and I'm trying to think if it was on Netflix or uh, Prime, but it was called My Octopus Teacher. It's another weird title. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but, it, it, well, when I saw that, I thought, I don't know. And so, I fascinating. It's about this man who's mm-hmm. having a hard time in his life. And he lives in South Africa and he goes swimming in this cold tidal pool or in this area. And he stumbles onto an octopus. And every day he goes and that octopus and him create a, a relationship. And it's a fascinating story. Unbelievable. And I was totally uh, blown away. Great. It sounds interesting. So- it's excellent. What important truth do very few people agree with you on? This is a hard one. 
I think that here's here's the answer though. My way is the right way for me. Too many times people compare themselves to some way that's considered the right way that everybody must adhere to a certain way that you go about or think or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not true and I think it's the um, road to unhappiness and unfulfillment is trying to live up to someone else's expectations when you need to be courageous and and actually value your perspective on things. And so your way is the right way for you. Great. And then tell us about the biggest challenge you have overcome in your life. Relationships. <laughs> that, that, Relationships. I think- that's a big big challenge i can't even express it really (laughs) yeah they're the things that we struggle with the most Uh and it's the thing that when we fail at a relationship Mm -hmm. we can be quite hard on ourselves or be confused and really take a long time to try to figure it out and yet more relationships show up in our life so relationships are they're tough what is your favorite travel destination and why you know, I've traveled all in many places, and I love Mexico. Ah. I've been in Taiwan. I've been in Korea. I've been in Japan. I've been all over Europe. But I think Mexico is like this beautiful place that with beautiful people, and I just I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes, me too. I've been there. Always wanted to go back to just South America, Mexico. <laughs> What advice would you give to someone wishing to enter a career in marketing? And this, you can just narrow it down to maybe one specific thing. I tell you what, read my book. <laughs> if every marketing student read my book, let me tell you, your interview for a particular marketing position, yeah. you're going to be way ahead because mm-hmm. you're going to have clarity, strategy, diagrams, vocabulary, you're going to have it all right there from that book. And and I know I'm promoting my book, but it's the truth. I'm What you learn in school is theory, but in street smarts, that's in my book. Yes. And I think just from this podcast, you have demonstrated some of that clarity. So once again, massive thank you. And also thanks to the listeners uh, for joining us today. So to find out more about ROI Online's marketing solutions, you can visit their website, uh, www.roionline.com. And where can listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so LinkedIn. I'm uh, Steve Brown on LinkedIn. Obviously, there's more than one Steve Brown. So I put Steve Brown ROI Online. You can find me that way. And um, the book has a website, thegoldentoilet.com as well, and my podcast. Great. And I believe the book is just available in all the usual places like Amazon and so forth. Yeah, it's in audible formats, Kindle, and it's in paperback as well. All right. Great. If you enjoyed this narrative journey, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Do leave us a rating and review on Apple as we love to hear your feedback. We also have an app talking about innovation. We're part of a development in the future of podcasts. Search for Regeneration Studio in the App Store or Google Play and you'll find us. Share this episode and spread the word on the best 
and most extraordinary stories of entrepreneurs and community transformation. Join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.